Violet and Wilfred, who were sipping buttermilk from a shiny metal tub. They looked up with friendly eyes. Hello there, pork chops, she mooed, looking down her long nose. Violet and Wilfred stared in shocked silence. Oh, didn't you know? That's what all pigs come to in the end. On the other hand, I am a milk cow. I'm far too valuable alive to be turned into a steak. Violet burst into tears, and Wilfred turned away, trembling. What are you complaining about, you stupid swine? asked the cow, switching her tail irritably. You don't know how lucky you are. Where I come from, pigs live in the mud. They drink stale water and sleep in dirty straw. As to what they eat, I refuse to think about that. She gave a delicate shudder. My kind are treated very differently, of course. Fresh hay, stalls washed down every day. But, after all, we're important. We are the milk givers, you know. She looked around the cobbled yard. You should count your blessings. You seem to have a good life here, for as long as it lasts, that is. You are only pigs, after all. Hobart came upon Violet lying despondently on her side, weeping quietly as Wilfred crooned a mournful tune. He tried to rally them, saying, What's wrong with everybody around here? First Byron, and now you two? You shouldn't be jealous of that conceited milk machine. She is very pretty, but Farmer Mills will love us just the same. You'll see. Then Hobart, sure that he had comforted his sister and brother, trotted happily away to dig for roots. What's the use of trying to explain to Hobart? cried Violet. He'll never believe anything bad. What's the use of anything? sighed Wilfred drearily. Why should I work myself to the bone on scales and breathing exercises and diction when everybody knows I'll end up between two slices of bread? Then who's going to say, My, but that sandwich has a beautiful tenor voice. He heaved a deep sigh, then flopped down and lay on his side, too. You're right, Violet wept. I'm not going to spend my time practicing acrobatics just so I can somersault into a sausage machine. Byron, who had been gazing moodily at the trough, came shuffling over and joined them on the ground. Mrs. Mills came out to feed the chickens and saw Wilfred, Violet, and Byron lying there. Henry! She called. Come on out here. These poor pigs don't look right. Farmer Mills came running from the house and bent over to look at them. Poor Byron. Poor little Violet. He stroked her head gently. What's the matter, Wilfred? Are you sick? Hobart, now he looks healthy enough. Hurry back to the house, Henry, and bring me some of that rosemary dandelion tonic. That'll fix him up, right as rain. The pigs didn't mind taking the tonic because it tasted deliciously sweet. But when the nice taste had faded away, Wilfred had an unwelcome thought. Great! Now we'll be rosemary-flavored pork chops!
And so it came about that Violet and Wilfred and Byron gave up their ambitions for a life upon the stage. Hobart alone refused to face up to his fate. He shook his head in puzzlement when he saw how gloomy the others were. He just didn't believe such a dreadful end was coming for them, for Hobart was always hopeful. Besides, he could think of little else but his secret ambition. He dreamed day and night of what he longed for more than acorn squash or cornbread, more even than buttermilk. Hobart wanted, more than anything in the world, to tap dance. Two. Hobart's Dream Hobart's dream had begun one evening in the past summer when he wandered close to Farmer Mill's house and heard a lovely clicking sound through the open parlor window. Standing on his hind feet, he peered in and saw Mrs. Mills, the farmer's wife, rocking and knitting, her eyes fixed on a flickering screen. There on the television was a little curly-haired girl dancing around a ship's deck. Her feet were tapping so fast that Hobart's eyes could scarcely follow them. Her curls bounced, and she had a bright smile on her face. Hobart was enchanted. How happy he would be if only he could dance like that little girl. He shuffled merrily about in the flower bed beneath the window, making Mrs. Mills' daisies and petunias fly right and left. But after a few moments, he stopped. His feet weren't making the same sounds that the little girl's feet had made. Beautiful, crispy sounds like beech nuts when he cracked them in his teeth. Something was missing, but he didn't know what. He watched for a little while longer and then went back to the barn to think. The next morning, while rooting for a snack in the soft ground under the beech tree, Hobart found two old bottle caps. He looked at them for a long time. Then he fitted them carefully to his hind feet and tried a few of the steps he'd seen through the parlor window. To his disappointment, his feet still didn't make the nice noise he'd heard on the television. So he sat down under the tree and tried to remember what he'd seen. The little girl hadn't been dancing in the dirt. She'd been tapping on a ship's deck. So Hobart, always hopeful, trotted over to the loading dock in front of the barn. Hop, shuffle, step, hop, shuffle, step, went Hobart, exactly like the curly-haired girl. And there, just like magic, there was that lovely sound. Clickety-click, clickety-click. Then he had an idea. The little girl had only two feet, but Hobart had four. Wasn't that even better? He ran back to the beech tree as fast as he could go. He put his pink snout into the earth around its base and rooted. He rooted on the north side of the tree, then moved around to the south and tried again. And there, shining underneath the loose dirt, were two more bottle caps. Hobart stepped into them with his front feet and loped back to the barn. Clickety-click, click, click, clickety-click, click, click. Why, this was twice as good as the curly-haired girl. And if he moved gracefully sideways, swinging his head jauntily to the beat while tapping on all fours, clickety-click, crash! Unfortunately, he had fallen over his own left hind foot. But Hobart was always hopeful. Picking himself up, he dusted straw from his hindquarters. Practice! He cried happily. That's all I need, more practice. Then people will come from miles around to watch me. Just look at that pig, they'll say. He's a tap-dancing fool. And so Hobart's dream was born. Three. 
a desperate business. One night, a week after the new cow had arrived, Hobart, Byron, Violet, and Wilfred lay in a circle on the barn floor. Though it was late, they were wide awake. Moonbeams shone through a cobwebbed window onto the hay. Did you see it? asked Violet, her little eyes glistening with tears in the silvery light. That big truck that drove in today? And the man with a loud voice who got out and talked with Farmer Mills? Farmer Mills looked sad. I wish I'd never thought of raising a litter of pigs, he said. I didn't know how hard this was going to be, but I do have to pay the bills. Then he told the loud man he'd leave a note in his mailbox tomorrow morning. There's no doubt about it. Our days are numbered. What truck? asked Hobart. I didn't see any truck. That's because you were tap dancing, explained Wilfred patiently. And I must say, you looked very promising, Hobart. Not that you'll have any use for that sort of thing in the future. Whoever heard of a bunch of pickled pig's feet tapping their way across a meat counter? The truck was big, recited Byron slowly and dreamily. A painted pig, in red and white, stood on its right. The letters spelled City Meat Call, Wholesale and Retail. Arg! It never comes out right. Process to your specification. Custom cut and wrapped, added Wilfred plumly. Choice corn-fed pork, sausage, bacon, baked glazed hams by special order, continued Violet, her voice breaking. Hobart leaped to his feet, his eyes horrified. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that we are pork? Violet nodded. We've been trying to tell you for days. We were wondering when you were going to wake up to life, Hobart. But 